As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Christian Pulisic has become a peripheral figure at club level with Chelsea, and he hasn't looked his best with the U.S. men's national team in World Cup qualifying either. The athletic soccer analytics writer John Muller is here to talk about the data behind those struggles. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Monday, January 31st. But first, your TV guide for today, as usual, all times are Eastern, perhaps unsurprising, but there really isn't a whole lot going on today with the international break and uh, the break in club action. One interesting note, though, the Coupe de France is happening with PSG hosting Nice. That's at 3.15 p.m. on BN Sports. There's also a full slate in the Liga Emekis Femenil. Uh, There's a bunch of games going on, but the pick of that bunch is probably Tijuana versus Tigres. It's early in their season, but both are off to solid-ish starts. That's at 10 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. There's also Chivas versus Cruz Azul, a classic rivalry with Chivas looking to go temporarily on top of the table with a win. That's at 8 p.m. on Telemundo Deportes en Vivo. There is also, in addition to those games, all the futsal you can possibly handle on two different continents this time. In the futsal European Championships, we're at the quarterfinal stage now, and there are two matches today. Portugal versus Finland at 11 a.m. and Kazakhstan versus Ukraine at 2 p.m. Both of those can be seen on ESPN3, which you can access on the ESPN app with a cable or streaming subscription. I think that's what I'll be watching this afternoon. Uh, The Copa America de Futsal has also started up, and it's in the group stages now. One game after another, all on Fox Sports 2, pretty much all day long. So if you're looking for one channel to keep on in the background today while you're working, uh, Fox Sports 2 might be the pick for today. At 9 a.m., Ecuador versus Uruguay. At 11 a.m., Bolivia versus Paraguay. At 1 p.m., Chile versus Brazil. And at 3 p.m., Peru versus Argentina. A lot of futsal today. I like it. All right, let's go on to John Muller. Okay, it's Monday here on Soccer Every Day. So, of course, I have John Muller here with me to talk about the analytical side of the game, uh, or at least something having to do with that. Uh, John, you were involved in a story uh, late last week about a player that 
I think our audience is somewhat familiar with by the name of Christian Pulisic. Of course. Yeah. 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 I've heard that name one or two times uh, in the course of my time here. Um, Of course, you know, winger, midfielder, wing back sometimes uh, for Chelsea and And center forward and center forward sometimes for Chelsea and the U S national team. Um, But the article that you were sort of involved with along with a whole lot of our athletic colleagues, I feel like there were five or six bylines uh, on this piece. Uh, focused on specifically his role with Chelsea because with the U.S. national team, his role is pretty clear-cut. He's a winger pretty much pretty much all the time, uh, pretty much usually on the left. But at Chelsea, he's become sort of a peripheral figure despite being a fairly big-money buy. And to the naked eye, John, it seems like his role that as he plays it with the U.S. national team simply does not exist in the system that Chelsea plays. I'm curious what you found... Uh, in terms of stats or data or whatever that supports that line of thinking, or uh, what you know, what, what what sort of your your observations are as somebody that watches uh, a lot of this stuff, or at least pays attention to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I do, I do watch a lot of it, and yeah. uh, I, I think that's fair. I mean, he does nominally play a lot of left wing or left inside forward or left attacking mid, depending on what you want to call it, in Chelsea system which is more or less like where he plays for the United States. Like last night in particular um, in the El Salvador game, he was, he was playing, you know, very much kind of tucked into midfield, but there he's a very high usage player. You know, he always wants to get the ball. He always wants it at his feet. And then he wants to try to like dribble six dudes in CONCACAF. He's not going to do that for Chelsea, right? He's not going to be the hero. Um, So he, he dribbles a lot less for Chelsea. Chelsea, I think uh, attacks quicker than the United States sometimes does. Uh, and he's also got a target forward in front of him this season in Romelu Lukaku and a very right. different style of forward last season in Timo Werner uh, than the United States national team has. And so I think that he's kind of subordinated to to that center forward in some ways and also to Kai Havertz or Mason Mount or whoever he's playing with at, at Chelsea. He's just, he's not the main guy there. And these days he's not even a guy a lot of the time. <laughs> Although his flexibility has helped him get on the field uh, more than you might have expected. And a lot of those appearances uh, have come as a substitute. So he starts, you know, a game every now and again. He starts somewhat consistently, but he also makes um, a lot of appearances as a sub. And there's a little graph in this piece that you did, um, basically a chart with that kind of breaks down his expected goals, expected assists, and both those numbers per 90 um, based on his, his Chelsea uh, time. What do you think that says sort of about his role in the Chelsea team and where he's most effective and at what stage in the game he's most effective? Yeah, the, uh, you know, the sample size is limited for him as a sub, but, sure. but his expected goals and expected assists are vastly better uh, coming off the bench than they are as a starter. Now, that's fairly normal. You know, a lot of guys are the type who will come on late and in a game where legs are tired, maybe tack is broken down a little bit and they'll have higher per 90 rates. So that can be a little bit deceptive, but still like it's, it's very striking how much higher full six numbers are off the bench. And, and I do think that that kind of makes sense for the style of player that he is that, you know, he wants to dribble at guys and he, he wants to run a lot. Although I'm not sure that he runs quite as much as he did before his injury. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was something that the piece kind of explored. Uh, we don't, you know, have like full physical data on that. It's more kind of anecdotal, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a real question. And, and also with the dribbling thing, you know, he's, 
the style of winger that he was coming up at Dortmund tends to peak early. Like guys dribble a lot less by the time they hit like 24 and you kind of have to develop into more of a passer uh, in a way that I think he's kind of struggling to do right now. We're kind of seeing growing pains as he tries to become a different kind of player than he was, you know, as a teenager, or even a couple of years ago with Chelsea. Do you think that that is part of the explanation for why we've seen his expected assists go down, uh, especially in the last season or so? You know, I, I don't know about that. I think that that probably has a lot to do with uh, Chelsea's kind of changing style and rotating cast. Sure. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, that's entirely possible. There was also, you know, the, one of the visits in the, in the piece shows that his expected goals have bounced back up this season, but mm-hmm. that really like strikingly depends on the model. Uh, FBRF stats bomb data shows that it has not actually bounced back. Optus data shows that it has, you know, who, who knows whose model is correct on that one. Uh, but it, the, the picture could be even worse, I think, than we painted in that article. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That's really interesting. I I had no idea there was so much variability between models. Do you know what sort of things impact that variability? Is it just a matter of like... Do I ever? (laughs) (laughs) Well, is it just like... Because I know the basic idea behind expected goals is that if you take a shot from a certain location, expected goals applies a value to where you're taking that shot, maybe the situation that you're taking that shot in, who's around you, who's not around you, et cetera, and then applies like a value to that. Like you should, right. you should score this percent of the time from this spot in this situation. Is it just a, is it as simple as applying a different value to that opportunity between models? So, yeah, so all expected goals are trying to do exactly what you just said, estimate the probability that a shot will score at the time that a shooter takes it. Sure. And all of them work more or less the same way. You know, you can use different types of models, different types of algorithms, but it's going to give you like fairly similar numbers. The thing that I think makes the really big difference is the data. And StatsBomb has some stuff in its data that Opta doesn't have. And okay. Opta uses one very important thing in its data that StatsBomb doesn't use. So Opta has something called big chances, which is basically like, you know, me, I'm a dude who's watching a game and coding it for Opta, punching in numbers. And I see something where it looks like the shooter is wide open and I press a button and that's labeled a big chance. And that just gets a huge boost in XG. Okay. Uh, And StatsBomb does it a different way. They use kind of freeze frames at the time of a shot and have records of where the defenders are. And then they use a statistical model based on where the defenders are to kind of get at the same idea of like, did the shooter have a clear look at goal from where he was? But those two very different methods and the two very different kinds of data, I think, are probably what's causing this big disparity in pull six numbers. That's really interesting. I had no idea that there are, there are 
aspects of this data gathering process that are kind of subjective? Um, yeah, it's a big debate in, in the analytics community because, uh, you know, using those opt big chances does uh, make expected gold models better at doing what they set out to do than if you don't use those things. But yeah, like you said, it's subjective. And a lot of people worry about hindsight bias. Like, you know, if a shot goes in the goal or if it is on target, it's probably more likely to be coded as a big chance uh, than if it misses. You know, there's there's not really like a clear definition of what a big chance is. And so that's a problem for a lot of data types. That makes sense. Well, we've gotten uh, a little bit far away from the purpose of this, this discussion, <laughs> which was Christian Pulisic, because that was very interesting. Uh, before we go, I want to ask you one last thing. You know, we talked in previous episodes about the five kingdoms of football. You, you have uh, a pretty good idea of sort of the map of how all these different teams across Europe play, their play styles, what they're likely to do, what they're likely not to do. And so I'm curious, you know, it happens all the time that players and clubs tend to grow apart. Sometimes the system just isn't fitting the player anymore. The, the player isn't able to find their footing. That could be what's happening here with Pulisic and Chelsea. So if he moves on from Chelsea, if they decide to sell him or uh, he decides to not renew his contract or whatever, you know, whatever leads him to another club. If you were to, to design a perfect move for him, a perfect destination to maybe recapture the form that he had with Dortmund, the form that kind of made him the new face of the U.S. men's national team, where would you send Christian Pulisic? So I thought about this for a second, and I think where I want to send him is RB Leipzig. Uh, I'm, co- I'm convinced that Christopher Nkunku is going to go to one of the biggest clubs in the world very soon. Uh, he's just a tremendous talent. And, you know, I was thinking about it while I was watching the El Salvador game, but the United States men's national team kind of looks like a Red Bull club. Like, it's funny, you know, there was this whole like Berhalter versus Marsh were like very different styles back in 2018. We were trying to figure out who the next coach would be. Yeah. Berhalter was supposed to be the slow possession guy, but he's really changed in, in his time in charge. And the team really now plays fast, vertically, very, very pressy. Uh, and and those things, I think, suit Christian Pulisic's skill set when he's not trying to play hero ball like he frequently does for the national team. Yeah. And so I think that in a club like Leipzig, where you know, they've, they've dialed it back a little bit from the Ralph Rangnick years. You know, Julian Nagelsmann made them a little bit more of a traditional possession-based team. Uh, but I think that pull six kind of athleticism, I think that his pace and his, his dribbliness would still work in that system. And it might also kind of put him on the right side more, not always on the left side. And I think that uh, maybe in some ways that suits his skill set better as well. And it would fulfill the the destiny that there must be two Americans involved in RAB Leipzig at all times because we don't yeah, have Jesse Marshall anymore. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you also just coined a, a term there that I'm now officially going to use all the time. Dribbliness. I like it a lot. <laughs> the state of having a lot of uh, of, of dribbles in, in, in your game. I like it. Uh, John Muller, this has been enlightening for many reasons and many vocabulary related reasons now officially. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks as always for having me. Elsewhere in soccer news and starting on a very serious note, Manchester United forward Mason Greenwood has been arrested on suspicion of rape and assault. Posts on social media showed a woman with multiple injuries and appeared to suggest an alleged sexual assault by Greenwood. United put out a statement on Sunday saying they were, quote, aware of the allegations. The club later said that Greenwood, quote, will not return to training or play matches until further notice. The U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame class has been announced, and it's a good one. Clint Dempsey and Hope Solo are among the inductees, along with former U.S. women's national teamers Shannon Box and Linda Hamilton. 
And also DC United and MLS legend Marco Echeverri and referee Essie Baharmist. Congrats to all of them. Lastly, perhaps you heard this. Canada defeated the United States yesterday in a men's World Cup qualifier. We have a bunch of stories about that and other CONCACAF action on The Athletic today. The results put Canada four points clear at the top of the octagonal. They're so close to booking a spot in the World Cup, which is pretty awesome. The United States is now just one point ahead of the playoff spot. Mexico remains in third, tied on points with the U.S., but behind on goal difference. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year's subscription to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening to this show, and happy soccer, or happy futsal at least, to you all.